pretty cool. You're gonna person. be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Not me. I'm already practicing for old and grizzled. Oh, you have been. Yeah. I mean, I have been since yeah. I was 14. This is You've like been living it. I'm, yeah. yeah I'm You're living. beyond. Practicing. And I'm trying to overcorrect. I don't want to become him. Yeah. I'm don't, sort of trying don't to be like me. I don't want to be like you. I don't want to be like <laughs> Owen's mother. I want to be <laughs> Owen. <laughs> I want to be an embracing of, of the new traditions and the new cultures. Oh, my goodness. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast. We gather around a table. We discuss a film you'll never discuss in a film studies course. This week, we finish. We pull the train into the station of our series of coincidences of Cohen-esque films and uh, this week's movie is a host pick from yours truly and it is Throw Mama from the Train. I am still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton and I cannot think of a funny thing to say other than that the night was humid. The I, night I have, was I have, moist. <laughs> I, I have banter's block. <laughs> That's funny. That Thank is, you. Maybe that, you can take a ride on a train. I've never been on a train before, and I've always wanted to. I've I'm des- kitty train works. I want to take the Amtrak down to the Heartland Flyer know, down to Dallas. Yeah, yeah, I do so too. I'm it's a dream now. I want. I gotta go to gotta go to Austin. I can't stop in Dallas. Train travels. Does it go all the way? Yeah, I, I think you gotta take a connection. Train uh, travel in no way appeals to me because it combines both the cramped spaces of air travel with the slowness of car travel. Why would you want this? I love rail travel. Supposed to be safe. Or I love what this. it was. <laughs> Hard to say these days. <laughs> yeah. There was That's a derailment true. in Moore last week. Crazy. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. We I shut down about that. For a few days. Oh, yeah. wow. So wild Happy to not live there anymore. Wild and crazy times. Um, in case you're tuning into the Good Trash Honor cast for the first time, we don't usually talk about topical issues surrounding train travel. What we usually do is talk about the films you'll never discuss in a film today's course, and we provide analysis, which requires spoilers. So if you've not seen Throw Mala from the Train, we want to warn you, dear listener, that we will be spoiling the end of the film, uh, which is adorable, but we'll get there when we get there. That being said, uh, what we'll do in the meantime is we'll provide a synopsis, then we'll provide quick reviews. Then we'll provide something called expanding the syllabus, which might involve thematic spoilers or very gentle spoilers of the film. Then we play music to let you know that we've gotten down to business. And that's when all the spoiler bets are off. We are out of the embargo and into that territory. So there you go, dear listener. You have been warned. Arthur, do you have a synopsis with which we may be delighted? On a moist night, Owen is pushed (laughs) to the breaking point with his demanding mother. After talking with his writing professor, Larry... Owen believes he's been approached for a crisscross pact. Owen will kill Larry's wife in exchange for Larry killing Owen's mother. Crisscross, Larry. Crisscross. Crisscross. I love them. I think they're a great musical act. Quit saying it to me. Make you want to jump, jump. Uh huh. All right. So with that, um, I have seen the movie a few times. Are you both virgin watchers? I know Arthur's seen it. Dalton's the virgin. It's me. It's you, buddy. Well, what is your experience of Billy Crystal and Dane DeVito in... Throw mama from the train. I've been hearing my whole life about what a stinker this film is. And I gotta say, people need to calm the fuck down. It's (laughs) it's 80 minutes long. It's so hard to be mad at an 80-minute movie. It's fun. It's a good time. It's silly. I like it. I like Danny DeVito's direction. I like... I like the weird flights of fancy that he does. I like his occasional camera, you know, games that he'll play. Very kind of... Especially for like an, a late '80s studio movie, kind of adventurous camera work. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, go off, go off, Danny." Uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I don't know. This is this is a charming film, and I think a really fun button on this marathon. Uh, well picked, Dustin. Yay! Yeah, because this is very much like contemporary with the Coens, and I, we'll talk about this more when we do our expanding the syllabus. But like, it's so interesting how much of Danny DeVito's career is about murder. Like, considering he is just kind of a comedy legend, like, most of his filmography is about murder plots, you know, in his his kind of not that short run as a director. I mean, he had a pretty, like, long run. This is his directorial debut Mm -hmm. uh, as far as feature-length films go. I think he directed an episode of Taxi back in the 70s and some other TV work. Uh, But from this to Duplex in the 2000s, like, he's churning them out. And weirdly, a bunch of them are about murder plots. And I, I think it's a fun place for his filmography to start. And uh, he he just like even as a performer brings so much still even though he's you know locked down in the role of director on this one he's still bringing so much pathos mm-hmm. in his role as Owen mm-hmm. just such a, like a kind and sensitive and simple guy who just needs either his mom or his teacher or somebody to be nice to him mm-hmm. and just listen to him 
Uh, I don't know. I, I feel for Owen a lot throughout this movie, and uh, it makes me hang with the film. Larry, not so much. Larry's a schmuck, and he's a piece of shit, and he needs to learn a lesson about sucking less. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is sort of eventually what the film sets up. I, I was very not on board for a little bit until I realized the, how much the film had disdain for Larry, too. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, okay. And, I, I and like even this. then, the, the movie kind of understands why Larry's so crotchety. You know, sure. You know, like the the guy in the hat killed the other guy in the hat, and you've got to grade that paper right. And so, yeah, no, it, it has. You can tell who at the table is a teacher. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and has had their novel stolen by their ex. <laughs> uh, it's me, and I'm still mad about it. <laughs> I wish I had an ex that was a famed novelist. Are you kidding yeah, me? That'd be great. Yeah, I would, I would dine out on that for the rest of my damn life. Are you kidding? Jeez. Just tell everyone. Uh, yeah. yeah, anyway. Um, Larry's terrible and Owen's great, and that is sort of the dynamic, and it is sort of the classic short guy, not short guy. You know, it's it's just classic comedy bullshit, but it totally works for me. I think it's really funny, really charming. Um, nothing special um, at the same time. You know, I, I can see why maybe at the time critics just couldn't get on its wavelength, because um, it is it's a little odd. Mama's performance, perhaps, is off-putting for some. It's horrifying. <laughs> I didn't get to read any reviews from the time. I was too busy playing Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, but uh, I, I am curious to know more of like what didn't work. Because, yeah. again, that's all I know about this is that it was a turkey. You yeah, know, It was a big stinker and nobody liked it. But, I, I, you know, I'll say it. Danny DeVito sees farther than they do. He he had a pretty pretty fun twisted little dark comedy cooked up and uh, I, you know what, Mazel Tov, my guy. I think it's a great one. What a directorial debut! I think it's very fun. Very good, very good. What do you think, Arthur? Do you like uh, throw Mama from the train? You know, it's funny how time we talked about the Zafir last week. I, I remember watching this movie when you mentioned it. I was a little hesitant because for some reason I had a memory of it not being great. Uh, but I looked back at my initial review and I said it was cute. It's three stars. Um, and so, you know, we sat down and watched it and I think that communal sitting helped, uh, because of the energy there. Yeah. I think getting on its wavelength, we talked about this when we were watching it, but getting on its wavelength, I think helps understand what you're getting. Yeah. Cause I mean, it really is a pure absurdity thing that, that it leans into in a way that I think does become very Cohen-esque, you know, while, while it's very indebted to Hitchcock, I think that dark humor, that absurdity to it. Um, is very reminiscent of, you know, kind of alongside the Coens. And so I, I think that it's, you know, I laugh a lot. I think Danny DeVito does, I think he's solid behind the camera mm. and he's great in front. I mean, I think he just nails it as Owen. Yeah. I, you know, the way he is able to kind of play this and become so sympathetic. I mean, you really are sympathetic to his plight. And I mean, it does help that, uh, you know, that Mama, Mama Lift is so overbearingly frightening and, and scary An right odious odious woman yes yeah. uh, and so i think part of you know that works as well uh you know ann ramsey there but uh, i i think that yeah it's it's funny and it's fine um it's kind of where i landed but i think that it maybe loses a bit of momentum in a couple of places but i laughed i had fun it's so silly. You know, you, you kind of casually mark to the like all the absurd kinks that are, are shown in this movie by all the different characters. Like, I mean, <laughs> it, it is just so, you know, Dane DeVito laying behind the couch looking at magazines while um, Margaret or, you know, yeah, uh, whatever and, her name. And her, and her boyfriend's woofing like a chihuahua. <laughs> so funny. Like well, those pushing the phone closer so Margaret can and answer it. it. Yeah. Oh my god, that like, kills well, me. Well, or Larry's girlfriend reading the little engine that could, and that's what does it for her. You know? yeah. <laughs> chugga chugga, <laughs> into the tunnel. Uh, the uh, I don't get it. Uh, or even the uh, the jump cuts with the payphones just kills me. So funny. <laughs> I don't think that's that the first time I'm watching it this time and thinking about it more. Uh, that's a layered joke. <laughs> it, it really just keeps giving to yeah. it. It's, just like, it's, it's not such like a twice. Diff- I mean, it is it's like six four or seven. Five. Yeah, 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 and it's like a different location. every. It's You're right. It's probably closer to six or seven. Yeah. I mean, it is that level of knowing. I mean, writing a joke and knowing the exact destination where to end that joke because if you do it too many times it, it fails and if you don't do it enough you miss the setup but i think you know it's those little things that work 
So I had fun with it. I, you know, I wasn't mad that I rewatched it. I enjoyed it. I was a little more positive on it. I, I think it is probably just misunderstood of its time, I would assume. And I think maybe for what it is, maybe being a mainstream movie kind of hurt it. I mean, this is, you know, I think one that can become a cult classic. I don't know where mm-hmm. it really stands in that regard, but. I, I think to present this to a mainstream audience, it's easy to see where this would miss. And I think, I mean, it, it kind of has the Joe versus the volcano thing, which is very, yeah. has a similar, I mean, that's not a commercial, I mean, it is, but it's not commercially right. traditional in its presentation. Yeah. And that's where this lives. I mean, DeVito's a fan of film. He knows what he's doing and his humor is kind of operating at a level that's not appreciated in his time. And I think that's why he's so good with something like It's Always Sunny, which is very much what, you know, a pre, you know, a, a, a successor to this, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll probably talk more about DeVito's career when we get down to business. But like, yeah, I, him just like having great comedy instincts has been huge. And, you know, for four decades, five decades now, Goodness he's gracious. like been a force for comedy. You know what I mean? What, taxis in the 70s, yeah. right? Yeah. So almost 50 years. Yeah. Yeah wild like mid 70s but yeah it's nuts and you're right like he's so good on it's always sunny and is such a part of like the alchemy of that show and like the longevity of it like him joining the cast like breathes fresh life into it like opens up so many avenues yeah Yeah. so uh it's a fine movie i I had a good time i wasn't mad and i laughed a lot so there there we are picker of the film uh and that's kind of where i fall i mean this is not a movie that i have uh, an incredible amount of affection for although it is one of the first movies i saw a lot of times because it was Mm. on heavy cable rotation late 80s early 90s trying to make some money off of it sure and it didn't didn't do well and and what what we found out and i think this is i'd be curious to see I think it does develop a little bit of a cult following because it is it is really funny if you go ahead and go with it. Um, and it is very Looney Tunes. It's just, you know, absolutely just bananas mm-hmm. with what it's doing. And if you're expecting something more like a straight kind of Strangers on a Train remake, you're not getting that. Nor are you getting something like a straight just, you know... Uh, straight man to the goofball um, kind of comedy mm-hmm. troupe, you know, trying to do a murder. It's it's not even that. It's, it, it, is, it is in another sort of much more anarchic cinematic world that it's a part of. If you've seen Death to Smoochie, uh, you're definitely like totally prepared. Yeah. I think it's mm-hmm. like, which that was a big heavy cable rotation for me as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, his other big flop. Mm-hmm. And yeah, God, that, that film is like literally free in my brain. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it's just one of those things where you find your audience. I mean, I think the reason why it's not a cult film, and I think I was looking over Arthur's shoulder as he was looking at what some of the critics were saying about it. It's almost not weird enough mm. to be a cult movie. It's it, it's, yeah. it's just a little weird. It's still got its foot and trying to be one foot and trying to be commercial, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Or, well, or just it's just they just did not go, you know, sort of full Twin Peaksy with it, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. It's just we're going to have this one character who is just obnoxiously monstrous Mm -hmm. and, uh, again, a very Hitchcockian mother. Right. Uh, so, so much of uh, Mrs. Bates. I mean, there is a Norman Bates joke in the film. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I think that's fine. And, uh, I have a good time with it. I laugh every time. I think the writer's jokes are funny. I think, I think Billy Crystal's really funny. I think he's obviously playing a character that we don't care about and we don't like. And yet we also don't want, Yes, we don't want his wife to die. It's terrible that she stole his movie, or his book, his book, his novel. It's terrible that she did that, but also... Did she, though? I don't know. We don't know. We only have his word Larry's for word for it. I mean, I tend to believe him, but I don't know. I know. don't believe Larry's, <laughs> as a rule. Cucumbers or people. Cucumbers or people. Um, that's good good to know but yeah it's it it's a it's a very very fine comedy that uh, if you like hitchcock if you like mm-hmm. the sort of film noir world if you like the coen brothers yeah. it's 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 a kind of movie that i think you dig and i happen to like all those things and therefore i like this yeah the audience score is lower than the uh, critic score on tomato meter for this insane wow that is so wild to me 
But anyway, there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts in general on uh, Throw Mama from the Train. We move on now to the next part of our show, which is called Expanding the Syllabus, and Arthur's going to tell you what that is all about. Expanding the Syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the host, assemble an academic course or module within a course uh, based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent texts from books and articles to tangentially related films and stories. That's correct, Arthur. Do you come prepared with a syllabus, my friend? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, you just <laughs> mentioned uh, the way in which uh, this doesn't quite operate in a traditional straight man funny guy buddy movie style but I, I do think it is maybe an offshoot of that genre sure of the buddy movie and I was trying to just think of weird pairings in buddy movies or okay. are kind of like this and I think the closest adjacent here and I haven't seen the original I've only seen the remake um, but it's the Paul Rudd uh Steve Carell joint dinner with schmucks. Sure, sure. Right, which is based on a French film, I think. Yeah, uh, which is about you know finding the weirdest person you can and bring him to dinner mm-hmm. to make fun of him, right? And I think this kind of operates along those same lines of at least wants to uh, of that kind of weird dark humor, maybe a little mean spirit, a little heartless, but also taking the piss of the rich or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think that's a good place to start. And then I want to just find some weird pairings. And so we would take a look at the most expensive straight-to-video movie of the 90s. Do you know what it is? I do not. It's the Whoopi mm. Goldberg starring Theodore Rex, where she teams up heard with a T-Rex. Yes, yes I do know about this. What? It's a buddy cop movie uh, where Whoopi Goldberg and a T-Rex join up to fight crime, I guess. Expensive movie. Uh, it was slated for theatrical release, went straight-to-video, and became a huge bust but what yeah I, I just think that's a fun pairing though uh from there we'd probably take a look at last action hero uh, mm. where a little kid pairs up with an action film character right and, and jack slater and so i think that's a lot of fun and gets to play with this uh, magical realism of bouncing between the cinematic world and the real world i think that's a, just such a meta yeah. such a good thing. movie anyway yeah. yeah one of the few episodes of the show uh that i'm not on I'm sorry. Which, I, I am too. Which makes we'll the episode. We'll redo it, but it's just you. <laughs> just me talking about Last yeah. Action Hero for an hour. I could probably do at least 20 minutes. How's oh, that I different from the could. ordinary episodes? <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, we'd go back to Danny DeVito and we'd look at twins. Nice. Uh, look yeah. at Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then they do these p- two pairings. They do twins and junior. Mm-hmm. Uh, but twins feels like the, the natural fit, twins I is think. the better movie. Junior is bizarre, but very fun. Uh, and, and then finally, I was going to make a joke, but here we are. Uh, finally, we uh, get to, I think the, it's the most traditional, but I also like the pairing, and that's Midnight Run. Uh, nice. With, I mean, uber cool cop guy, Robert De Niro, bounty hunter Robert De Niro, and schmucky money guy, uh, J- uh, Carl, or Charles, Charles Grodin. I got this. Josh Groban. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but if you remade Midnight Run and put Groban Groban in the Groden role, good work. Oh, and just old De Niro? Yeah. Okay, yeah, Yeah, I like that. that. Um, It's old De Niro. He's playing the same character, and Josh Groban is Charles Groban's grandson. Perfect. There it is. We got it. Nailed it. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I think that's what we do, though. We talk about the buddy movie, and we just kind of look at these sort of offshoots from that. And so I think that's where we could slate in uh, Throw Mama from the Train. Very good, very good. I think what I would do with this is if I was doing an auteurs course, and uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Dalton. Well, I, if I were doing an auteurs course. <laughs> I'm, I'm just skipping you. I would teach this film, and Danny DeVito is an auteur. I would actually probably just teach a class on Danny. Uh, I, I think Danny DeVito is a pop cultural figure, sort of in the vein of uh, the, uh, the Nick Cage class from Community. Uh, but I think DeVito is like a very valuable you know, American pop culture icon. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, from his, his work in early independent film, uh, wait, is, is one flew over the cuckoo's nest independent or is that a studio film? That's it's a studio. A studio, it was a studio yeah, film. Yeah. Anyway, Milos, early, yeah. yeah, but new early new Hollywood yeah. kind of yeah. centric, you know, or adjacent films. I mean, he's valuable there. Taxi sort of this big moment in, you know, network sitcom history. Again, he's on one of the longest running, uh, sitcoms of all time currently, uh, with, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And then in between all of this, he's got this really interesting body of work as a director. And again, like as already stated, so much of it revolves around murder plots. Oddly, he is just sort of this sort of death obsessed little weirdo. Even his children's film Matilda is a very sort of more bund as whimsical as it is. It is like very dark and odd. I've never seen Matilda. 
Yeah, you're, you guys, you guys are both a little old for that one, I guess, huh? That one's just my my age group sort of thing. Yeah, I, I probably, I mean, it's ninety six, so I would have been ten. But yeah, probably it was about a girl, so I was probably like, yeah, you know, putting away <clears throat> that thing. I was they the, played it on at daycare all the time. I yeah. was driving cars and thinking about girls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, not Matilda. And not. The, <laughs> I mean, good. <laughs> yes, that's a crime. Yeah. I was thinking about Miss Honey, even though I was closer to Matilda's age, unfortunately. Um, I had sort of a cooked little brain even then. Um, damn, Miss Honey. <laughs> I, was, I know that's not just me. I know that was a big moment for a lot of people. It was people. a generational thing, Yeah, right? exactly. I'm already intrigued. Yeah. Uh, Matilda, though, is just, and he's so, like, vile and mean in Matilda. Him and, um, oh, my God, Rhea Perlman. Uh, mm-hmm. They're both so fun as these, like, vicious, like, very terrible parents. And that's such a fun, like through line in his filmography, which I do have a few blind spots on. I haven't seen War of the Roses. I haven't seen all of Duplex. I mean, parts of it. Um, what else? He's, he's got six films, seven films. Oh, Hoffa. That's the big one. I haven't seen six films. Oh, he directed Hoffa. He directed Hoffa. I know that's like his one super serious film. Yeah. It's all the rest of it is like kind of odd, oddball, dark comedies. I had Oliver Stone in my head my whole life. Right. Doesn't that feel like, doesn't that feel like a fucking uh, stone movie? No, I totally get why you say that. I also would have guessed that if you've gone to my head who directed uh, the Hoffa movie, I definitely say Oliver Stone, but no, uh, so yeah, Dustin, why don't you jump in here since you're also kind of interested in DeVito as an auteur. Well, not DeVito as an auteur. I'm thinking about the Coens. Oh, interesting. And okay. I'm thinking about this movie connecting to what defines that adjective Coen-esque. Okay. Yeah, putting these trains together. Yeah, this is this is what we've been doing this entire series. And so I think Blood Simple and this film would be two great selections for that. I do think Blue Room, I mean, you know, we could do, I could simply just syllabize the entirety of this run of uh, Marathon that we're going into. But I, I think it would be fun to sort of connect a couple of these things in which you see other filmmakers who are seeing the success of the Coens who are then taking those stylistic pieces and sort of again acting or directing sort of outside their typical oeuvre and again this is the star persona oeuvre of Mm -hmm. Danny DeVito although as you make a great case there does seem to be something kind of Coen-esque going on in what he chooses he's kind of warped in like a a way that's very adjacent Mm -hmm. to them but again that's just demonstrating some of that influence is there Um, but then going back into some of the uber texts and I I think the two I mean the obvious most important film for this movie is going to be Strangers on a Train and Strangers on the Train obviously the crisscross thing is all that throw mama from the train sort of takes advantage of but when I think about the lighter in um, Blood Simple mm-hmm. and uh, what we saw in A Woman, A Gun, and A Noodle Shop, uh, that, that the, the opium pipe, you know, mm-hmm. sort of repeated in that. But that lighter is also one of the key sort of MacGuffins of Strangers on a Train. Not, yeah, Strangers on a Train. I almost, I, I forgot which I was saying, throw mama or th- strangers. We have too many trains. Throw strangers from a train. Throw, throw my mama's strangers from the train. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Strange mama's running trains. Yes. <laughs> no? Is that... Sorry, go ahead. But lighters, though. Lighters. Cigarette lighters. Uh-huh. Um, but Farley Granger's lighter is an important clue that has gotcha. moved around and gone back and forth there. And so there's, there's an additional piece of story directly Cohen-esque thing and then just sort of the man who th- finds himself in the murder plot and uh, I, I really think the great example of this is The Postman Always Rings Twice mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm not meaning the classic version of it there's a great uh, remake of it with Jack Nicholson and Jessica Lange but um, I, I would say just go to the OG with James Garfield and Ava Gar- or not Ava Garner Lana Turner and uh, it's incredible movie and uh, just one of those things in which it takes you further than you expect. And you're in it, all of a sudden in the middle of a mess you weren't anticipating, uh, which seems to be always the situation. It's definitely uh, Bill Paxton's situation in A Simple Plan that we saw mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago. And so just sort of thinking about that adjective. And I, I think that would be a fun way to do an auteur class is to think about the adjective. And so what's the Hitchcockian film? Mm-hmm. And so we see some of the, you know, core texts from Hitchcock. We see some of the influences on Hitchcock. And then we think about like yeah. De Palma. What's a Lynchian film? What's a Lynchian film? You know, and Del Torianistic. I don't know. Del Toro. Del Torian. Yeah, I'm trying to think here. Who are? Well, maybe we, is it time to get down to business yet? Uh, or? You know what? I guess it is. It is time to get down to business.
Oh, you were saying? So since we're closing out this marathon on, on the Coens and, and Cohen-esque, like, are there any other directors that we feel like, you know, Lynchian, I feel like I hear a lot. Um, I mean, Kubrickian. Kubrickian, and Hitchcock, Hitchcockian. Big. Those are the other two big ones. Christopher Nolan. Tarantino is going to get the, I mean, he's getting there, right? Tarantino-esque, yeah. I've heard. Yeah, sure. The Coens have that distinctive style. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> When Nolan might get there. I think Peel could get there. I mean, like, the, the sort of... Well, the, the he already did, right, with yeah. Uh, yeah. when well, Don't Worry Darling came out, right? They were well, already sure. saying... I mean, referencing yeah, the... Get the out for white women. Peel. Yeah. Yeah. And then classical Hollywood, we've got Hoxian, we've got Freudian. For, sure, you know, sure. Didn't think Freudian? about those guys. Freud, Freud, Freudian. No, we'll get to the Freudian t- parts of this movie later. Oh, is there Freud? Oh. The Freudian tip? <laughs> Pag- paging Dr. Freud. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's 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 got he's opening up his little satchel full of cocaine, going yes. What you called? Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that accent was. That wasn't German. It was Austrian by way of India. I'm so sorry. But uh, yeah, I, I do think that I mean, Kurosawa. I mean, I, I don't know. Yes, he it definitely has a style and a voice and a, and a, and a subject matter, and that though, that's sort of the thing. That we have to sort of find. And then not only do we find the thing within a director, but you find that there are other directors that follow. Because I think about like Paul Verhoeven, who's got a couple stages, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I don't know of any Verhoeven films. Or mm. filmmakers in the vein of Paul Verhoeven, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. And so, yeah, it, 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 gotten, and I'm desperate for somebody to like bring back up that. the mantle yeah, of exactly Paul do yeah. do something that's not a RoboCop remake or Starship yeah. Troopers remake, but like feels in the vein of those films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. or those for that later sort of sexual thriller, you know, uh, stuff or that he does. Sexual you know, thriller, uh, yeah. or earlier, yeah, um, so stuff like L and Basic Instinct, yeah, Black you know, Book. yeah. So there, there's there's potentialities there, but you know, Cronenberg, you know, there are Cronenbergian directors. Sure. Sure, he's in one, but but uh, sometimes you know you find uh, um, some of these directors who do have a style, but you really don't find that they have their acolytes, and mm-hmm. that can be a question of time. But I, I do think the adjective requires acolytes. Yeah, I yeah. think that that's that's a big part of it. You're right. Is, is is does the style like sort of start to permeate and like influence other people in a big way? And in the case of the Coens, yeah. Mm-hmm. And even though in this one he is very much a contemporary. Um, I guess Ramy. Ramy's another guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't hear his name turned into an adjective very often. Yeah, Ramy esque. But I definitely feel like it, oh, that's Ramy Payne. Oh, I think like, there's also a level ooh, of that push in. That's Ramy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's also a level of the cultness of Ramy, right? I mean, he's yeah. not like I mean, he's only got three commercial mainstream move for right the marvel films the, the spiders man mm-hmm. but i mean everything else he's done has kind of been relegated to these cult movies so right yeah even his like studio dramas that narrows like, i think the field for acolyte acquisition sure mm-hmm. you know what i mean compared to a spielberg or a hitchcock or a fincher yeah. who have been seen by a wider mass audience yeah, that's a good point yeah and, and well and there's also sort of the you know, I, there is a bit of Raimi existing in the Cohen's shadow, you know, being contemporaries of them and them sort of like being these very critical breakout and, you know, less culty, less genre than, you know, than Sam is. But it's it is interesting, you know, we not to backpedal a few weeks and talk about a simple plan, but sort of looking at Raimi and the Cohen's as contemporaries, it is interesting you know, the ups and downs of those two different careers. And, and again, with DeVito, you know, working at around, because Blood Simple is what, 84? 84, 85, yeah. Yeah, and Raising in Arizona is like the same year as this, right? Like 87, 87 I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it is interesting to like see this film and go, oh, no, DeVito's, DeVito is definitely like in the same lane, especially at this era, mm-hmm. is really operating in like, a key of Cohen, which is, as you said, Dustin, like, owes a debt to Hitchcock and, you know, a lot of other stuff. That's, Classic noir. Yeah. yeah. Um, because so much of this plot and the plot of every film we've discussed over this marathon is sort of a comedic, if not comedic, then at the very least sort of genre-aware, genre-savvy inversion of a classic noir sort of mm-hmm. trope or incident. You know, the the murder plot. I mean, last two weeks we did murder plots. Well, three weeks. Gun and Girl Noodle Shop. That's murder plot too. I mean, Simple Plan's the only film from this marathon that's not explicitly a murder plot. And right. murders end up happening murder anyway. Just, yeah, it's kind of incidental to yeah the heist. We're well, not even heist, but the plan. The plan. The plan, the plan itself. Yeah. The get rich quick scheme. Yes. Yeah. So I guess let's talk about plans, um, accidental ones that this this week 
Um, Sometimes you got to be careful what you say to a person. You don't yell out in a crowded lunchroom that you'll want to kill your ex-wife. I hate her. I wish she was dead. That's probably not (laughs) the thing to say. Don't do that. Yeah. You don't say that. And you don't, I don't know, uh, uh, suggest watching a, uh, telling somebody who has got some sort of obsessive compulsion uh, concerns uh, since he's stalking you Mm -hmm. to go watch a murder movie. Yeah, I I don't think that Larry even perceives Owen enough to know that it's dangerous to send him He's just trying to get rid of him. And 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 I think it just says Hitchcock in general. And so the fact that it ends up being strangers on the train is also sort of accidental, incidental as well. I mean, if you'd watch Psycho, he he kills his mom in the shower, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then dresses up in her clothes and kills Larry. (laughs) Yeah, not to jump to the end of the movie, but they're they're really... (laughs) That's great. There's no truer sign that he doesn't get Owen than like the book reveal. Yes. Yeah. Like he, when Owen reveals that he too has written a book about their experiences with their crisscross, he thinks like, Oh no, not again. My novel has been stolen. I'm going to kill Owen. Such a good setup. Owen wrote a children's pop-up book. Like, of course, Owen has a child's mind. He is a, a simple man. He is not like we, we're not, he's not given a diagnosis, but he is definitely played as a, like a, a guy with a, a small interior life, mm-hmm. uh, or at least you know, not hyper compli- complicated interior sure. life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it's just like he's such a sweet character, and Devito, like even though he's a would be murderer, like Devito, like never loses the thread in the direction or in the performance. The most darling moment of the whole thing to me is his coin collection. It's so yeah, cute. Yeah, I mean, it's, oh, it's so points sad. To that is like the heart of the movie, it's right? So that's good. Uh, does, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. He, he says that should be the strip everything else around and, and let that be the building foundation. And, of this and, movie. and make a new movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, because he, did, he didn't like it. Hmm. I well, I, I think it's the idea that, you know, the, the great thing about Owen is he's never sinister in his motive. No. I mean, he's just a guy who's just tired he's mm-hmm. so bullied this yeah. woman is so terrible to him and he doesn't we'll get to like this film's deal with women because we got to talk about it but yeah yeah it's it's he's, got a, an issue he but. just got cursed with being stuck with the wrong parent yeah right yeah he had a parent that was like good and took care of him but was probably distant and did not want to well, be with his other parent well and I, who knows what influence losing the father would yeah. have had on mom as well sure sure, sure. you know i mean that's that does sometimes embitter a person. Mm-hmm. Plus a series of dehabilitating other things, it seems. Yeah, it seems that she's got health problems. Yeah. 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 A myriad of both physical and mental, like, health crises stacked on top of each other. Right. Because, uh, boy, is she terrible to Owen. Gosh. And, like, there's, you just are left to infer the years of abuse that have taken place. And it's like, yeah, no wonder he wants to kill this woman. Mm-hmm. He sees no way out. And yet he does truly love her. You yeah. know, all the way through. And again, that's yeah. just the, 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 when conti- push comes to shove. the continued just sort of golden heart yeah. of Owen. Yeah. He he can't go through with it. And that's, I guess, you know, if you didn't watch the film, that's what ends up happening is uh, Owen thinks he kills Margaret, uh, Larry's ex-wife. And so we spend the second half of the movie uh, with Owen trying to goad Larry into murdering his mom and them getting to know each other more. And then eventually, like, while they're on the run for because Larry is suspected of his wife's disappearance, they do, in fact, almost kill Mama. Uh, But at the last second, um, of course, Larry has a change of heart and then has to save Mama. Yeah. Um, Which is a mirror to a double indemnity. Another film noir. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Totally. Uh, And then, of course, it turned out Margaret was alive the whole time and Owen never (laughs) killed anyone because it wouldn't be able to have a happy ending if they had killed Margaret. (laughs) Yeah. Very fun seeing young Kate Milgrew. Uh, Right. You know, I just love love, to see Kate Milgrew. Love, love little Capricorn. Captain Janeway, and that's a, that's She's a good time. Very doesn't get enough to do in this movie. It's no. very funny, and neither does Beth, who I've not seen in anything before, but who I liked. Well, we're we're well. I mean, Beth, we're supposed to like. Yes, I think, and the other two women, we're supposed to hate. Well, because this is you know Stu Silver, who uh, wrote this film, has only got like one other feature film credit. He mostly worked in TV, but yeah, screenplay point like beth is there's is long gone only in a screenplay by a man does beth stick around to date larry no yeah yeah i mean there's the fact that she sticks around for that beach trip at the end of the movie is like (laughs) okay sure if that's what we're gonna decide happened i guess we can play it that way but i don't believe it for a second yeah uh because yeah it is the only quote-unquote good woman in this movie is the woman that'll listen to you bitch about your problems uh with other women uh, constantly and will, you know, affirm you and defend you from the police. 
Well, she's a PhD in anthropology. I think he's a test subject for her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is a, certainly a test case in something, that's for sure. Yeah, it is. She's researching. And it maybe it is just the way in which Larry hates his ex-wife. Maybe the film doesn't necessarily, because the film doesn't like Larry either. Sure. You know, no. it definitely has a low view of him, I think. Um, but it, it, it sure does like to put him in a position to slut shame his ex-wife. Well, and again, I think that, I, I, I don't think that was the original dialogue. Do you I, think that's just uh, Billy I, Crystal? No, I think th- I think there's a PG-13 to R-rated version of this movie. Because, oh, interesting. Because, you know, um, the, the hundred women I'd like to pork, that's mm-hmm. not the word that comes out of Billy's mouth if you didn't notice. Oh, no, I wasn't watching it, the yeah, ADR. It, 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 yeah, the ADR, it's, it's a, a different word, yeah. meaning a similar thing. Uh, and I think um, he's used, he probably, the script was calling for the B word. And yeah. at some point they said, you know, we can make this a PG movie. Totally interesting. And, and, and I think they pulled it down. And so interesting. the fact that he says slut is, I think, just it's a, such a specific a, choice. A, yeah. mean, a, mean, a derogatory term. A derogatory uh, directed at the feminine. Yeah. That is term. less overtly a swear. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. I hadn't even thought about the the rating dynamics for this, but that is, I can, you definitely you can see a vi- version of this where you're like, oh god, we got to bring the rating of this down to broaden the appeal because nobody's going to come. Nobody's going to see it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if it's a, you got to be 17 to get in with a parent without a parent, then yeah, yeah it's going to be nobody's going to see it. But it, again, it is, you know, I, women do definitely get short shrift in this film, and it, more so than typical, you mm-hmm. know, which is. Not uncommon of an American Hollywood studio film, but, uh, you know, <laughs> certainly in peak form and throw mama from the train. Right. Well, they're off screen women that are in the novels, you know, 100 mm. yards of Naga Hyde and 13 women or whatever. Mm-hmm. The old, I wrote it the way I lived it. And uh, the uh, 100 women I'd like to bone. And uh, I guess then we have our other female writer and mm. she is just obnoxious. Right. And this, so, yeah, it's comically T- terrible writing. Yeah, Re- listening to uh, the the reading of it is <laughs> so good. Yeah, honestly, that actress is crushing it. Yeah, yeah she's she so funny. Oh yeah, because she's absolutely performing it. Yeah, yeah. she. Yeah. yeah, like like she thinks I have just written some. It's some, a great American yeah. novel. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this, this is some Das boot shit. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> she crushes it. Yeah, she's and, so funny. And it is not. Which reminds me, I had a novel idea the other day. I'll tell you later. Okay. But, okay. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just sort of. It's sort of hinky, and I guess it solves by, you know, not killing Margaret, by letting Mama die peacefully off screen. Sure, yeah. It sort of, like, writes its way out of it. But there's there was a, definitely a point in the movie where I was like, wow, we really are just, like, hyper-fixated on killing these two women for a little bit, huh? Mm-hmm. And you wonder how much of the movie's going to be that, and it really isn't that much of no. it. But there is, like, a stretch of it where you kind of cock, cock your head sideways, and you're like, oh, damn, this really isn't what the movie's about. Yeah. Huh. I I think you are with Owen hating Mama. Yeah, that makes sense. No, yeah. no, you, you you hate Mama. Her. Lift is a nightmare. Yes, she's a holy terror. And when <laughs> you find out she's died, you're so happy for Owen. <laughs> no, she's she's a nightmare. But the fact that like the the film has created this like the bad mother to end bad mothers, like mm-hmm. it is sort of. I mean, I believe that that woman exists in the world. I'm not, sure. and it doesn't feel like, I'm not saying that that's a screenplay invention or anything, but it is sort of like a, a hell of a caricature to reckon with, I guess. Yes. And I, and that's sort of what we also have in Margaret is just like a caricature of an ex-wife that is sort of a troubling trope. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not that film. And I, I think Danny DeVito is, uh, you know, an empathetic enough director that, you know, the film doesn't like pass negative judgment on, really either of those care again larry's the only person that i think the movie has like a bone to pick with mm-hmm. I, I i think i mean if you keep it in conversation with hitchcock and mm-hmm. knowing hitchcock's history of women and the trail of women oh. i don't know if there's not a little bit of parody of what hitchcock does uh, uh, right yeah okay thinking about the way mama's present mother's presented in psycho the way women are presented throughout hitch's filmography and I think and so Kate Mulgrew is Pat Hitchcock. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, I think that intertextuality may continue. And then um, our anthropologist, what is her name Beth. again? Beth. Beth is any, any any number any number of his blondes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. I like that read. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, because you're right. Like so many, not just Hitchcock, but so many of like those early noir plots are you know doing their female characters dirty, and you'll get and the yeah, 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 and you'll get like a, a more robust or deep film fatale, but they're usually still filling that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. 
I like that. I like yeah, that a lot. Um, what so else? Are we, are we actually on the proper Freud now? Is, sure. Is that what we need to do? Why not? So what, do you, what, what Freudian things do you want to say? I well, he wants to kill his mom. He doesn't want to better. But like right. this sort of like hyperfixation on the parent is mm-hmm. definitely like something that he would be freaking out for. Well, a, a, a sort of arrested development. I mean, mm-hmm. this is sort of what causes, you know, El, uh, Oedipal slash Electra kind of stuff is the um, way in which a person doesn't move beyond developmentally. And yeah. to have him, you know, suffering some sort of mental handicap on top. I say mental hand. I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. It's that some sort of... of- a screenplay sort of hand wavy like we don't want to deal with it yeah creation yeah. of a person he does i mean he does seem to be regressed into some sort of child toddler adolescent state i mean we see him in his pajamas playing with his trains on the porch yeah. i mean mm-hmm. there's the a way he talks about his coin like it whatever happened with his dad seems to be what's maybe stunted that emotional maybe traumatized yeah. more than yeah yeah, yeah there there's he's sort- never it never comes off like maybe they you know slower um, undeveloped in that way, it just does feel like something caught him and he couldn't yeah. get past it. Well, I mean, he point. does put together how a crisscross would work, how they have the perfect. I mean, to make that sort of anal- analogical leap is critical thinking. But he also went to the movie and that was what he came away with. Yeah, yeah. true. I mean, you, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. We definitely are given reason to. I think developmentally and stunted, like those are good words to, yeah. to use, Arthur. I think that's a great way to put it. There's there's something stunted in his development. Mm-hmm. We're not really sure what, but you know, Mama seems to be to blame for it. Yeah, uh, and you know, it's like okay, is it always going to be her fault? Well, and, and that, I guess that's sort of the other and, and like she Freudian is, angle. She is well, I mean, to go in the students of Freud, Don and Lacan, she is the big other. Mm-hmm. She is this sort of incredibly, you know, uh, unknowable other, and uh, that that sort of always is smashing his reality. And so, you know, that I, it's clearly this will will cause the wound, will cause the fracture, will cause. Um, the need to um, find a way uh, repetitively to find a way out of this. And so he keeps looking at the same coins. He mm-hmm. keeps running the train, the same track and well, writing and the same stupid book. You we know. definitely get the implication that like she has sheltered him to the extent that he doesn't have like other relationships. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. He doesn't have friends. Well, he's got a bowling league. I guess that's true. No, I think he he's just bowl- bowls. I think, I don't Arthur's think he's right. part of a league. He doesn't he have a shirt. Yeah, he just yeah. talks about his lane fees. You're right. Yeah. Arthur. And oh, yeah. we see him, he is by himself. Yeah. Right, oh, but he yeah. gets accosted anytime he's writing because she thinks he's writing letters to somebody. Yeah, she to doesn't believe that he has a friend. Like yeah. when, when Crystal shows up. Yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know if it's to stay on, you know, developmental psychology. I can't. Was it Mills? I can't remember who Mirror Stage is. And uh, you know, Mirror Stage plays. is Lacan. Now is that Lacan? Okay, mm-hmm. somebody else is. I think Mills. Is there is a John Stuart Mills. There's somebody's got a thing about like learning about yourself and learning to play with peers and stuff, and you know, games mm. being a huge That's part of socializing. Yeah, yeah, he is under socialized. Yeah. Look, my brain Swiss cheese, and uh, I didn't go to higher ed, you know, or past higher uh, ed. Rather, I, you know, I didn't I didn't keep reading the, the great sociologists of our days. Uh, I couldn't tell you whose theories are whose. But it is interesting that like this connection with Billy Crystal's character, like really sparks something in him. There's, you know, brings out this creativity of the pop up book, which like we don't ever get any sense that like Owen is like has figured out like what his his creative gift is right until the end of the film. Mm-hmm. It's like, he, no, it's not writing a murder mystery. It's yeah, it's like a, a children's friendship book. And it's a good pop up book. Yeah. I mean, that's the, you know, the thing the movie does oh, give him a pop up book. Oh, it's cute. It's, it's adorable. Yeah. After he tries to throttle him. Yeah. I, I in thinking about that moment, I really do reconsider. Did she steal his story? Uh, when Billy Crystal, like with Margaret, I, I really do reconsider. Did she actually steal his story or did he have this idea? And then she came up with something as well. Yeah. That's what, yeah. And there's a way in which you could kind of look back at this and it just, cause when he does have those moments of writing yeah. and he does get stuck in those loops, yeah, it's like, are you know, really the great American novelist that you thought to be? Or yeah. Yeah, you had an idea and she wrote the book. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. sort of honestly what I thought was going on the whole Maybe. movie. I assumed he didn't actually, she didn't actually steal from him, that he just feels as though he's been stolen. He's from. been wrong because she's yeah. now the famous. He's, he's had a publishing, he's had an eight, a literary agent for like 10 years and hasn't written anything. Yeah. And like she actually jumped on, comes in as a wonderkin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. How about that title? Hot fire, hot fire, hot fire. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Love it. There's a lot of like good, like bad writing in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, very endearing, very funny. Yeah, I'm a fan. I have a headache in my eye. I have a headache in my eye. <laughs> really good. It was the nice human dude. The re- that is such a good joke. 
Yeah. Him reading uh, Danny DeVito's writing the same opening line. <laughs> and he's quitting. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I give up. God, that's incredible. How did you figure it out? There were two characters. <laughs> <laughs> this guy in the hat killed the other guy in the hat. <laughs> They're really I great together. Sharp. I mean, I think yeah, it does have too. some really sharp bits. No, I agree. I, I, it's, it's weird that this like failed to find any kind of audience in '87 because it, it's like funny. It mm-hmm. really hits for me. I, if you can get over sort of, you know, sort of the problematic stuff that we've already talked about, like if you can accept its premises and like get on These board are with two its dimensional characters, yeah. and I don't need more dimensions. Yeah, yeah, it's a comedy. It's it's a dark comedy, and like just go with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think you know, I think going back looking at some of the criticism, I think that's the thing, right? It's riding this line where it becomes it's too broad mm-hmm. to really you know lean in commercially to grab that and it's not weird enough to like go that like it doesn't to signal it should have went yeah. Yeah, it's, it it's not rocky went specific one way or the other yeah 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 that's such and a good think, way to put it yeah i think that's kind of was the big critical hang-up was there are pit, bit, bits here that work but you either needed to go all out weird or all out commercial heartwarming mm-hmm. fuzzy wuzzy thing mm-hmm. yeah i agree well let's go ahead and render us a verdict shall we on throw the mama from the train uh what do you say show for trash dalton Hell. Hell, I say That's a place for it. (laughs) That's a place for it. That is that is a low trash can. No, we won't be putting we won't be putting the trash can that far south. No, and I don't think it belongs in the trash. I think this is an interesting film. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's shelfable. It's weird. It's an oddity. And is you know, it's not one of those like we found a secret masterpiece or anything. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that like Danny DeVito is a valuable comedic voice and and an interesting artistic presence in the, the world of TV and film. And I think his directorial debut is worth scrutiny and is worth examination. And again, it's like pretty funny, mm-hmm. uh, more than solidly funny. Did it pa- I assume it passed your six laugh rule every time you've watched it? Yes. 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 Consistently. Yeah, I think it works. All right. Very good. Very good. What do you say, Arthur? I just want to say that Rob Reiner walked so Harvey Firestein could run. Yeah. <laughs> I do know. I think that's a thing that happens in this movie. Yeah. Um, I think I would just gently put it in the trash. I, I think that if you've listened to the, us, you know if this is for you or not. I think if you're like deep cut Hitchcock person, this is for you. Uh, but I don't think it's, you know, must see for everybody. Very good. Very good. Honestly, Arthur, you changed. You turned me around. You turned me around on Shelf for Trash when you gave the reading of the women as archetypes when the Hitchcock. And as a person who occasionally teaches some Hitchcocky stuff. I'm going to say, yes, I would go ahead and put it on the shelf, but I wasn't going to go there. I was, I was, and that's why I was so pleased and surprised to hear Dalton put it on the shelf, but no, I'm also, well, your allegiance is easy to buy. Yeah. Well, well, and I'm, I'm just trying to like make a couple of brownies and a cup of coffee and your, your butter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to make sure we cover death to smoochie at some point. So I'm just making sure I'm on board with that. Yeah. We've already slotted from the train as like part of the good trash cannon. So yeah, now we, now we have to do death. You're going to, you've never seen it. Nope. Ed Norton as like the guy inside the Barney costume. Okay. And he, it's like Ed Norton as likable for the first time in his career. He's like the Owen of the movie. I can't believe in it. A likable Ed Norton. Well, and, and that's part of what doesn't work about the movie. But like, <laughs> it's kind of fucking awesome. <laughs> all righty. Well, very good. Very good. Well, um, you know, we are probably wrong about all the things about Throw Mama from the Train. And Dalton's going to tell you how you can tell us. That's right. If you think the film should have ended with Larry and Owen murdering the crap out of Mama Lift, you can email <laughs> us at goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com to tell us your thoughts on Throw Mama from the Train or anything else about the world of film podcasts or film podcasts. Uh, that's goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. You can also rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you put podcasts in your ears, Spotify, Apple, uh, formerly Stitcher. Uh, what are those other ones? Pod Pocket? Catcher, pod Pocket. Pod Pocket. Catcher Pro, I, I'm fucking, I can't, there's like two big ones that I can never remember, but I know we're on them. Yeah. Uh, so rate, review, subscribe, however your platform does it, that would help us out with some sort of algorithm. Help us become the 170th most listened to film podcast in Finland. Uh, keep us on the charts over there. Uh, what else? Social media. Uh, we're at Good Trash Media, but we don't really post on any of those accounts anymore. Uh, but you can find us uh, pretty much all over, mostly on Letterboxd, but occasionally on uh, Threads or 
blue sky. Uh, you're over on that Mastodon, right? I'm on that Mastodon, yeah. You're free. Five other people. I love it. Hey, man, there's like there's like five million there's of us, tens man. Tens of us. There's, yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, I tell you what. Um, when X announced that they're gonna remove the block thing, um, there we got cousins. There's lots. There's lots of pachyderms amongst us now. I mean, that's how I feel about Blue Sky. It is like a way better platform than Threads, but there's so few people there yeah uh but yeah I'm, I'm dollywood squares on pretty much everything uh including letterboxd where character limits made me drop an a from that handle hmm yeah strange oh, really yeah but i i just you know i had for, for consistency as which i needed the handle to be the same everywhere across everything wherever i am i'm usually at dustin cells or dustin underscore cells and occasionally orison cells just for kicks and grins you can usually find me at the Arthur Gordon. Uh, that's where you can find us. Uh, but you know, we, we we muse occasionally, but not really. We're not another. None of us are prolific posters by any stretch of the imagination. I am currently running a film noir super bracket on the Macedon. I've, I've paused. We're about halfway through the first round of sixty. I mean, sixty four movies. He's been doing it for like three weeks now. It's, oh, fun. Yeah, and so we, we took about two weeks off as school started, and we're about to restart that. So, at the time of your listening, we should be in the quarterfinals or so. Getting about five votes around, I think. I'm just usually... That's not <laughs> true. I'm honestly just posting wife guy shit mostly. Posting things Becca said or posting about trying to emotionally prepare her to watch Old Boy. Uh, which she didn't end up going to see with me. So instead, the next day, uh, while we were driving around running errands, I told her the plot of Old Boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, a little peek behind the curtain. That's what it's like to be married to me. That's so funny. Uh, if you want to help keep the show, if you like this kind of bullshit, if you like <laughs> hearing what, what we're posting about uh, and uh, other nonsense, you can uh, help keep us alive, help keep the sh- lights on at good trash or at patreon.com forward slash GTM, which stands for good trash media. Uh, patreon.com forward slash GTM. Find out what's in it for you. You can pick a show for us to discuss on the podcast. Uh, that's I mean, I love that. I love when people pick for us it's so mm-hmm. fun yeah uh, but we can also you know we, we can also send you a movie if that's what you're more into uh all that information and more available at patreon.com forward slash gtm well that's it a series of coincidences is in the bag and there's a tingle in the air Ooh, a chill's running down electricity my spine, oh is it is getting... growing the shocks are rolling in from around the world is it it's the... shock October 12, the international scares, and we're hitting the road as we board the train to Busan. Yeah. <laughs> this train is still in the station. All right, very good, very That's good. Right. Train to Busan. We're staying train-centric, baby. Uh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I like trains. Uh, so there you go, dear listener. Train to Busan is the beginning of Shocktober 12. Flesh-eating ghouls on your rail line. And it is international-themed. Uh, is that correct, Arthur? So we are going to go in the world of outside of here, uh, outside of America. Which does uh, hurt my original plan to pick uh, the people under the the stairs as my shocktober host pick but that's okay because i have another sort of social I've, horror film planned i have great affection for people under the stairs i want to catch up with it so bad well you know you can pick it anytime you don't you don't have to use shocktober i love using the show as an excuse to catch up with a movie yeah. like train to busan yes so there you go to listener you keep watching we'll keep talking and we'll see you all next time Thank you.